Public Handicapper Podcast. This podcast covers the four races run every weekend on publichandicapper.com. This show is number 21, July 26th, 2019. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame Handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how's it hanging this week? Great. Del Mar, Saratoga now in full swing. The weekends have some really good stakes races with some of the top horses running it seems like every weekend and this is no exception so i'm really looking forward to talking to you about the races this week on public handicapper yeah and i don't mind races like from prairie meadows i think it's always interesting to go to tracks like that Uh, i love woodbine but every once in a while it's it's nice to have good stakes from the cream of the crop and that is saratoga and del mar this week Definitely. We're, we will see some of the best horses in training running this weekend. Yeah, so we'll start with the Saratoga ninth race. It's the Alfred G. Vanderbilt Handicap. Grade one race, handicap for three-year-olds and up. It's worth $350,000. And where did you land here, Chris? Well, first of all, Scott, you told me you have a pound-the-table pick this week so i want to make sure on that race that you start us off and that this isn't that race this is not that race okay i do have a pound the table you must play it type of horse all right great but that's not in this race so i'll go ahead and kick it off then um well obviously mitoli is a really really nice horse he just keeps winning he's met every challenge i was a skeptic Um, But his last few races have proved me wrong. He has shown that he's really, really solid. But that doesn't mean he can't be beat. And this is the sort of race where maybe you can take a shot against him. Although um, I've done that and failed his last two starts. Um, In particular, this is a handicap, which we don't see very often anymore. Actually, a race where they the secretary handicaps the horses and he gave Matoli understandably the high weight at 125 pounds and mo- many of the others in here are only carrying 116 117 118 pounds so he's spotting up to nine pounds in weight um to most of the field and for those of us who think weight matters that's significant that slows him down a length or two uh, he drew the rail with another genuine quality speed horse to his outside strike power. So he almost has to, to send from that rail spot, and he's likely to get pressured throughout. And he's also coming off the toughest race of his career. Um, he stretched out to a mile for the first time. He looked, he looked good winning. 
but he had to work hard for that win and um, he could easily regress off such a big effort stretching out. So you get the combination of you know, the possible regression, the extra weight, you know, the rail post with another speed horse right to his outside. Um, and he's vulnerable. I'm not saying he'll lose. I think he's still the most likely winner, but he will be an underlay. And, um, you know, the, the tough part is figuring out who you want to play to beat him. This is a six furlong race. You know, this is the classic sprinter distance. So it's kind of hard to come from out of it, even if there's a solid pace and win, unlike seven furlong races or even six and a half when if it's a hot pace, um, you can come from fairly far back sometimes, you know, and pick up the pieces late. It's harder to do at this six furlong distance. So a horse like Dushare, who's sort of tempting because he's kind of a one run deep closer, probably is unlikely to be able to win, but he might pick up the pieces. Um, Strike Power is the speed horse to Matoy's outside that I mentioned earlier. I really like this horse. I touted him on the pod last time he won. He didn't win as impressively as I thought he would. I well, no, he I, actually, he got second to uh, oh, oh, he got Cruz. second. But, That's but, right. But he, he held off my pick in that race, recruiting ready by a nose. Yeah, that's right. He did lose to Catalina Cruiser. And um, he ran a good race, but I thought he could beat Catalina Cruiser. And, and I think he has a, a really big race in him. I just um, don't think, you know, hooking up with Matoli from start to finish is the perfect situation for that race to happen. But, you know, I think he'll run well, and I think he'll, he'll give Matoli a fight from the start. Um, but I can't really pick him. Uh, Imperial Hint, interesting, certainly on his best, he can win. But he's also carrying weight. He's coming off a layoff. Um, he's had some foot issues off and on his whole career. You know, he probably needs a race for his best. Um, which kind of leaves me with, like, Forenze Fire, who always seems to get over bet, but certainly seems to be the horse the most likely pull the upset he's not a, a stone cold closer but he comes from out of it and uh, he should like we i mentioned have a good um pace to run into um so probably you know he is the one i would land on here but i don't see a lot of value in any of the horses i mentioned and the two long shots um diamond oops and mr crow I just can't get too excited about. So this is probably a race I will pass, but you know, possibly a frenzy fire actually went off at his morning line or higher, which I think is unlikely. You know, he could be a play in here. Okay. Well, um, I do have frenzy fire in second. He has a big number to go back to. I don't really, I don't love this race. The it's, uh, there are too many question marks. But I ended up landing on Mr. Crow, and the, he's got a few things to like. The, the most interesting aspect of him is that he matched his top, and his top on the sheets was uh, not fast enough to win. But it was as a three-year-old, right, in the, uh, at Saratoga. So back as a three-year-old two years ago, this horse was running for Todd Pletcher, and he ran two huge races at Saratoga. He then went off in the Vosburg. He went off at um, a 
think five to two. Yeah, he went off at five to two in the Vosburgh and he ran, he had an awkward start and he ran terribly. And then he ran bad in his next race. And then he was switched to Ben Colebrook as a trainer. Now, the horse has not run back to those races at Saratoga in two years, except his last race. And in his last race, he actually got the same sheet number. Now, the buyer numbers are completely different. But on the sheets, you know, because they include weight, weight carried and also ground loss, you're going to get some disparities in that. And in his last race, he had a running style that I think is going to go very well in this race. I think he'll be off the speed, the dueling speedsters. He'll be right behind them. He'll be carrying 116 on a racetrack that he's won at before. And he was working well before, uh, you know, when he started working out this year, he was working his best and he, it took him three races before he got into form before he, he won, but that matched his three-year-old top. Now, assuming that a horse can improve from three to four to five, uh, he's got some upside. And at 15 to one and, and maybe higher, like maybe ridiculously higher because he's got an 88 buyer and Matoli has a 108 buyer. This horse could go off at 20 to one or higher than that. He's got good tactical speed. And in the race that he just won, three horses have come out of it to win their next race. So as a contest play and you know, I'm not going to bet anything to win on this horse, but as a contest play, this is the kind of horse that can really move you up. And you know, he's still got to improve quite a bit to beat Matoli, but he's getting nine pounds of weight, and that's worth two points. And if 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 we do an equation uh, on the sheets, sheets being worth uh, you know, five pounds is worth a point, he's only one point slower than the favorite in this race. So all he has to do really is improve one point, maybe a little bit more. And if he can do that off uh, matching the best race of his life on a track that he's won twice on in monster moves, and tactically he's, he's gonna have a little bit of an edge over all those closers because he'll be right behind the speed duel. You know, I, I think he's a legitimate play. And I would also include him in the pick five. Like, you know, in other words, I don't think he's that crazy that I wouldn't include him in the pick five. But, you know, it'd be a, it's a little stretch to put real win money on him. Yeah, I, um, I've always had a negative bias to him in the last year because last year in his first start at Saratoga, I loved him. Um, because... Like you said, his two best races the year before had been at Saratoga, and his race right prior to his, his Saratoga race last year, he had lots of excuses at Churchill. So I thought, you know, he could be sitting on a really big race, and he ran, he, he had some trouble and ran terrible, and he ran terrible again at Saratoga. So, you know, I just, you know, that was enough for me. Um, but you make a good case. Um, in, and you know that he definitely showed that talent as a three-year-old, and if he could could improve off of that, if he's gotten past whatever was 
bothering him last year and preventing him from improving, you know, he might pull off the shocker. And he does have a running style that can win at six furlongs in this pace scenario because he has tactical speed but doesn't necessarily want to be on the lead. So he could sit off, you know, in third or fourth. And um, if Matoli and Strike Power tire up front, you know, he could, you know, forge past them and hold off the closers. So I like that as a contest play. I like the way you're thinking. I might have been a little too quick to dismiss him just because of the prejudice from prior years, which is a good <laughs> lesson. You know, we tend to form these negative or positive opinions based on results of prior betting, and we probably want to wipe the slate clean every time we look at a race. So I appreciate you um, helping me overcome my bias there and seeing a little more merit in Mr. Crow. Yeah, and I I, I agree that when we're in this, that this doesn't mean he's going to win, but when we do this podcast, we're, we've only looked at the horses for a certain amount of time, and we only latch on to certain things. We can't see everything, like every angle. So it's really useful to me, sometimes like with Pamina, who won at six to one, uh, she was my second choice, but then you pointed out that the horse that I originally picked, I forget the horse's name, but you pointed out that the horse needed the lead to win. And when I, I hadn't looked at the PPs that closely. And when I did look and saw, hey, she needs the lead to win, and there was a lot of other speed, that helped tip the scales for me to Pamina. So, uh, so hopefully other people will also find this information useful. But even for us, it's really helpful. Totally agree. All right, so let's go to the next race, which is the Bowling Green, a grade two, a mile and three eighths on the inner turf at Saratoga. It's the 10th race. And the purse is 250,000. And I'll start this one to, since you started the last one. I found this race incredibly tough, and I think I have to go six deep in the pick five, which I intend on playing. The horse that I think I'm landing on is Zulu Alpha. He, uh, he, in his last race at seven to one, he finished second in the United Nations. And it was a, it was a good race. It just wasn't his best. It, and it, and it was Hunter O'Reilly's best race. So, so combining that it was almost his best, but not his best, with Hunter O'Reilly's Hunter being it, it, it's his actual best, that race looks very impressive to me. And since then, the horse has worked out faster than he has in a long time, at least a year. And then I, I read on DRF a little bit of Scuttlebutt. Uh, they interviewed Mike Maker. You know, they usually have one or two quotes from some of the contenders. And he said that the horse wasn't quite right that race and that now he's back to his old self and he almost won that race. So had he won, I don't know, you know what he'd be saying, but, but I think at 10 to one, finding a horse that has run fast enough to win this race has won fast enough, uh, has won at the distance and who has a, enough tactical speed to work a trip. He's sort of, you know, 10 to one, I, I kind of, I want a double digit horse in this race as a contest play. And that's the one I landed on. 
Yeah, and Lescano, his rider, has been hot this summer. And like you said, Mike Maker on these turf routes is always, um, you know, dangerous. The one negative for Zudo Alpha, I think, is that he is carrying the high weight. Um, some in here, he's carrying 124. Some get in as light as 118. Um, most are like at 120 or 122. So that's a little bit of a negative. But that horse is pretty consistent, too. And it does have tactical speed. It doesn't drop way back. So, you know, with a good rider, um, you would think that horse to get a pretty good trip. And that can make a big difference in these big fields in these you know, turf route races. Um, so, and this one, I agree, it's pretty wide open, but there's a horse I've touted on the pod before, and I'm not ready to jump off yet. Um, and that's Channel Cat. I really like this horse. I think it is going to run some really good races and these turf routes, and I think this will be his breakout day. Um, uh, you know, he was a good last year. He always runs well. He had some excuses. He kind of got stuck really wide last time out. I liked him in that race. Um, before that, I think, you know, he had another troubled trip and, and, and he just needs the longer distances. He needs at least a mile and a quarter to run his best in this mile and three eighths should really help. Um, and, you know, he did get an outside post, but it's he's got really good tactical speed, I think. And Saez is not afraid to use some of that to get possession, position early. So I think he'll get a good trip despite the 10 hole. He does kind of carry more weight than some of the others, which is a little bit of a negative. But I think he has by far the most upside in the race. And he's just sitting on a big race and... I think this will be it, or I hope this will be it. And he's 12 to 1 in the morning line, um, and I think you'll get that. So, you know, that's my top pick in here. Um, and we can talk about some others we like, but I'll pass it back to you so you can talk about anybody else you might be interested in here. But for me, Channel Cat is definitely my contest play and probably will get some win money and be my key horse because I, I think I will bet this race. All right. Well, I have nothing bad to say about Channel Cat. He does appear to have upside. He's been running consistently as a four-year-old. Um, I've got no negative. He's he's a good contest play. He's fourteen to one on public handicapper, and I yeah the yeah the post does bother me a bit. I. Not sure. I wasn't originally going to include him in my pick five, but maybe I'll go seven deep. <laughs> we'll see how the rest of the sequence shakes out. Um, but but certainly not a surprise if he wins, and not a surprise if a lot of these horses win. Uh, there are so many closely matched contenders. Uh, the other horse that I was interested in, you know, I, I here I'm just going to announce all the horses that I think are in. The pick six, that's Channel Maker, Sadler's Joy, Zulu, Red Knight, Arklo, and then this last horse that's very interesting, and that's Ya Primo. And now the horse has destroyed 15 to 16 horse fields in his last three races. He's incredibly well-bred, and Chad Brown says he was he's excited about the horse. 
I haven't seen any workout reports yet. They haven't come out yet. So I don't know if they're going to say like, yeah, like this one's an A plus and looks incredible. But I did look at his last race and he won handily at about five to two. And, you know, he came came from off the pace. It was a big, wide course. Um, he looks like a contender to me. And he's eight to one morning line, and it's, he's actually 11 to one on public handicapper. So he could easily go off at that price. You know, at, at eight to one, he's a horse that I'm going to have. And he could just be another uh, arrow in Chad Brown's toolkit. When you watched the replay, was he forwardly placed or did he come from out of it? He was about sitting about seventh or eighth in a 15 horse field, maybe, maybe, maybe ninth. So he was, you know, not, he didn't, I wouldn't call it tactical speed. And I didn't look at his race before that. So I'm not sure where, where he was in that race, but you know, he, he kind of looks like he's going to be bunched up with uh, all the other horses here. So he's going to have to work a trip, but uh, starting from the three hole, he's, he's got an advantage right there uh, in a three turn race. The three hole is a major uh, advantage. Yeah. The reason I asked is because to me, he looks like he could be a rabbit in this race. Chad Brown's been using the rabbits now when he's got these three and four horse um, entries, not entries, but three or four horses in the same race. And his other two horses are stone cold closers, Olympico and focus group and one of them has um common ownership with yaw primo so i thought you know he might be in there not necessarily just just to be a rabbit but that they would send him to ensure um a solid early pace so that that was the reason i asked that question um i still think that might be his main purpose in the race and then if he if he runs well great but um I don't know. He, he, I mean, he won a grade one, $470,000 race, uh, in Chile. I think they think he's the real deal. That that's why he has common ownership. They were like, Hey, let's buy that horse. Not as a rabbit because he's a damn good horse. Oh yeah. I'm not saying that he, but that they, he may be the one to go. They may send him not saying that will sacrifice his chances of winning, but, um, you know, it would help ensure fast pace or an honest pace. And then, and maybe he wins on the front end. I was just, it just seems to me like, and they have Jose Ortiz on him too, which he tends to, to be more aggressive in these races. I, that could just be a, uh, affect the way the races run. But if he came from out of it, maybe that's not the case. Um, uh, so, you know, he's kind of, obviously Chad Brown, you know, an import first time in the U.S., I think if you're playing the pick five, you probably put him in, especially if he's not a favorite. Um, so I, I would certainly include him. I, I'm just, that's sort of the wild card in the race in terms of not really knowing what the intentions are in terms of the tactics. Um, just a couple other horses I'll mention here. One, Arklo, to me, is probably the most likely winner. He drew the rail um, as a good rider, a good trainer. He's very consistent. Um, you know, just, there's no knocks on him. He should get a good trip. 
although he does come from out of it. He needs a little bit of racing luck late, but he should save ground early at least, um, which is important. Uh, the other long shot in here I'm kind of interested in is Highland Sky. He uh, just hasn't ever really won a big race, but he's certainly run some competitive races and with, and he's capable of still improving some. And, you know, with a good trip and some improvement, I like Manny Franco as rider, especially on the turf. You know, this horse could surprise. Um, and so that's the other one. And, and I guess, you know, you could probably make a case for all of them. But, you know, that's a horse that could be, you know, 30 to 1. Let me see what he is. He's, he's 21 in public handicapper, so he's at his morning line right now. But that, that's certainly a live long shot. Um, for exotic bets, I think, is Highland Sky. Yeah, and I, I liked that horse in his last race. He was 28 to 1 and finished third, only a length and a quarter behind. So, I mean, I've always had a positive uh, outlook on this horse. But even though he finished third at 28 to 1, it still wasn't even his best race. Now, so that's why I have a little hard time picking him in this race. But one of these days, he is going to pop. I, I think he's going to pop. I mean, he was fast as a three-year-old. He was fast as a two-year-old. He just hasn't run incredibly fast. The one uh, positive that I will say uh, that for his chances in this race are that before his last race, he was running his fastest works, dirt works, uh, in a while and that often sort of foreshadows that they're going to run a big effort but often it also foreshadows that two races after those good workouts that's when he's going to run big so this last race that he ran where he finished third at 28 to 1 it was a two mile race which is you know an abnormal distance and it would not surprise me at all if he and Red Knight. Red Knight did not run very well in the race, but uh, you know it was a two-mile race. So now they're back. You know they're cutting back five eighths of a mile, both of them, and those those fast workouts indicating that Highland Sky was in perhaps you know the, the best form he's been in in a couple of years. N now this could be the time for him to manifest that like. That, that improved form because he's not running at this crazy two-mile distance. A mile and three-eighths is, is a normal distance for him. He, he, he's run it many times. He's one for four at the distance. So, yeah, yeah, I, I might have to include this guy in my, in my pick five. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going really deep in this leg. Yeah, and also in that two-mile race, Knesser, who ran second, came back and won the United Nations last week. Um, so, uh, you know, that race came back pretty strong and Highland yeah, it, Sky it, it, it wasn't the United Nations, but it was a stake at a long stake. Oh, you're right. Time. It was, it wasn't, you're right. It was the other one, but he came back and won out of that race. And, um, he gets in at 118 pounds with Manny Franco in the sixth post. So, you know, there's to me in a wide open race and he'll be one of the longer prices on the board. It would make sense, you know, to use him. If you're gonna going to go deep in the pick five in this race, or you know you're playing exactus or trifectas, because he could definitely juice 
juice it up. Um, and with a good race and a, a good effort uh, and some racing left, there's no reason why you couldn't hit the board or maybe even win. All right, great. Well, th this is going to be a great race. And I, I hope, even though I'm including Channel Maker in my pick five, he's only seven to two. And, and they, I, I think he can actually, he's actually the most likely winner of the, of the race. But, you know, hopefully he won't win the race because we, we want to see a nice, uh, nice price in this race. All right, so let's go to the next race. It's the 11th at Saratoga, mile and eighth on dirt, the Jim Dandy, grade two for three-year-olds. It's worth $600,000. Chris, what are you thinking here? Well, it's an interesting race. This is the prep for the Travers, so that's really important to keep in mind. This really is a prep for some of these horses, in particular Tacitus uh, with Bill Mott, um, he's always, I've said this before on the pod, he's playing chess when many other trainers are playing checkers. You know, this is a means to an end, not the end in itself. Uh, so, you know, I'm not saying Tacitus can't win. He's the best horse in the race. Um, but he is, this is just to get him ready for the Travers. Um, if he wins, look out on Travers Day because that means um, if he's good enough to win this, he's going to be even better on Travers Day. But at a short price, you know, I think you can play against him. I'm definitely negative on War of Will. I was negative on him going into the Belmont because of the Triple Crown um, grind. So this is another race after the Triple Crown grind. I, I think until he gets some time off, you're not going to see him get back to his best races. Um, he's also carrying high weight in here. Um, so he's the one I'm against the most. Atasitis, just because I think this is a prep, I think you can try to beat him. So those are the two favorites. Global campaign is two to one the morning line. I think David Aragon missed this one. Uh, People, he's, he's giving the crowd too much credit. People love to play Triple Crown horses after the Triple Crown. I think War of Will and Tacitus will be definitely the top two choices in here. So Global Campaign as the third choice. Um, to me, it's possible play, not at 2-1, to one, but if he goes off at 7-2 to two or 4-1. to one, uh, He's the controlling speed. You know, he's really never run a bad race. The only time he lost was the crazy race when Hidden Scroll and um, the name's eluding me, but the sprint, uh, a sprinter, they set a crazy fast pace in the Fountain of Youth and Global Campaign chased the pace and kind of made a move into it and flattened out. Um, but other than that, he's won all his races. He's been battling some foot problems, but he's been working well um, recently. And um, looks like he gets an easy lead in here uh, and is probably uh, the most likely winner. I don't know if he's, you know, uh, worth betting on, but um, we'll have to wait and see what the price is. Uh, the other three horses, you know, Tax, I've always kind of liked him. I think he just didn't quite get the two miles last time, but cutting back in distance in here, he should get a really good trip. He can probably sit in second behind Global Campaign. And, um, you know, he probably won't have any excuses this time. 
Uh, he's getting bet though on public handicapper. Uh, surprisingly, you know, he's like three to one right now on public handicapper and global campaigns five to one. So at those odds, I definitely play global campaign over tax. Um, and then Mijos is, a, I think, a talented horse. I kind of like him. I think he's got the most upside. I'm just a little worried he's not a horse that can go a mile and an eighth. Um, you know, his breeding doesn't scream it. And, and what he's done so far, it seems like he might prefer shorter, uh, especially, you know, in this race with just that one prep under his belt. So I'm a little nervous about the distance with him. But from a contest standpoint, he'll be a good price. Um, and it's 33 to one right now on public handicapper. So to me at those odds, he's kind of like a no brainer when you play for a contest pick. Uh, if he can get the distance, he certainly could win this race. He's fast enough. He's got a lot of upside. He's got a good trainer, um, you know, second off a layoff. So if he can get the distance, he's probably the one I would play in the contest. But, um, and then Laughing Fox, the one I didn't mention, you know, he'll be a closer. I don't think he's going to win, but I think he could clunk up for a piece at a price too. So um, to me, the way you play this race is you, def you toss War of Will. You try to beat Tacitus as a win spot. I don't know if you try to beat him out of the completely out of the exactas and tries. And then you maybe uh, use Global Campaign as the key with Mihos and Tax. So... Okay. Well, the thing I'll say about Global Campaign is he, I, he, he, he looks good, but he's never had the lead even at the half. And Tax also hasn't, but he's been really close. And Tax has, his trainer has stated that he's going he's gonna to go for the lead. So, so since Global Campaign is three for four with the, the strategy of just sitting second behind the speed. I think that's how it's going to play out. It will be tax on the lead and global campaign in second. I think um, that just seems to be the case. So, so I don't, I don't know why global campaign would go for the lead when he hasn't needed the lead to win. Uh, whereas tax is going to want to save the ground and tax is my table pounding play for this week because I think he's going to I think he's going to outshine these horses. I think today is his day. And uh, the the reason I like him is because he is circling back to a top that was a small top in the I guess it was the Withers. He ran a small top at a mile and an eighth. And in that race he had a major stumble at the start. He had good speed to get position, was in tight in the stretch still super game and won. And that was coming off uh, a two-year-old race at a mile and an eighth where he finished third to Maximus Mischief and was against the racing flow uh, of a speed. He was, you know, he was second. He didn't, he didn't have the lead. It was, a, he was close to the pace, but he didn't have the lead and the, the, the winner won that he wired it. So, so, so anyway, he got a good number in December, and then he got a, a good number also in February. But he just didn't deliver in the wood. And in the Kentucky Derby, he ran a complete clunker. 
But in the Belmont, he actually ran very well. And I, I didn't pick him in the Belmont. I didn't notice him in the Belmont. But then when I got the numbers and I saw that he had run almost his best race coming into this race, that said to me, like, all right, if this horse is working out as fast as he's ever worked out coming into this race, this is my horse. And then I looked at his workouts and July 20th, a 47 four furlong bullet at Saratoga, best out of 71 horses. So uh, he's got the kind of pattern that I liked about War of Will going into the Preakness. War of Will didn't end out running a top in the Preakness, which was you know, one reason why I'm not enamored of War of Will yet. Um, but I think in this case, I think the tax not only will match his top, but he'll he'll most likely run through that top. And I think he's going to take this this race. I think he's going to take it pretty easily. I think they're going to think that they're going to catch him. They're going to let him go on the lead, and they're not going to go too fast. They're going to think, oh, yeah, well, we don't have to worry about tax. We have to worry about global campaign. And, and then tax just not going to let him pass. And I think he'll extend in the stretch and win by three lengths. Well, I know I, I hope the listeners are, are paying attention because when you say you're going to pound the table, that's usually a good sign for the horse. Uh, just a couple things on just the pace. Global campaign did not have the lead in his last two. You're right. But uh, in his last race, um, Todd Pletcher sent out a rabbit to set out a really crazy fast pace. And he still was pretty close to that pace. And the race before that was that crazy um, race with Hidden Scroll and the Fountain of Youth where they just went insanely fast. And again, he wasn't that far off that and actually made a middle move into it. Um, so I'll be shocked if Tax has any kind of lead at all. If, if they decide to send him, which I read isn't the, the jockey I would normally use if my plan was to send my horse early. Um, I, and Luis Saez is definitely an aggressive rider. I'll be absolutely shocked if Tax has any kind of a lead on Global Campaign. Maybe he will be, um, you know, in first with Global Campaign, you know, lapped on his shoulder. But I'd expect Global Campaign to be on the lead in here. So th I, I don't see that. It sounds it like a side bet. No, side uh, bet. Could be. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily mean that they'll they'll burn each other up or anything. In fact, I don't think the pace will be that hot. I just don't think Global Campaign is going to sit off tax. You know, at the worst case would be he'll be sitting second you know, a neck or a nose back, but I just can't believe he's going to let tax get out any kind of a lead on him. And he certainly has more natural speed than tax. So that... I, I, I beg to differ. Uh, if you look at the time form pace figures and you, you, you may be looking at different figures than me, tax has run 120, 130 early pace figures consistently in his last four races. So he's got, you know, he's got, figures that match global campaign so this is you know unless Saez wants to run tax into the ground which is a strategy they have not employed in any of his races i don't see why he wouldn't actually just sit you know half length off and that's not giving tax an advantage if he's the better horse he's the better horse but um i you know they've never employed those kind of aggressive campaign tactics 
I don't see why they would do it now since he's three for four. All right. Well, we'll see. We just that's we we can we have a difference of opinion on that. Um, I expect to see a global campaign on the lead. Um, worst case, a nose behind tax. Um, but I really will be shocked if tax is on the lead and global campaign sitting behind him. Right, we'll we'll, we'll be do a side bet. Extreme. We'll do a side bet after uh, after the pod. We'll figure out what the stakes are here. <laughs> All right. Um, but I do think tax fits in the race. Um, I'm not negative on him. I'm just disagreeing with you in terms of the way I think the race will unfold. But even the way I described it with global campaign, the likely leader in tax tracking him, there's no reason why tax can't win. So I don't want to I don't want uh, you or anyone else to misunderstand. The point I'm just trying to make is I, I don't think it's going to unfold, unfold uh, early the way you had described this all. But okay. certainly tax is um, live in here. And, and uh, I think cutting back from that two-mile distance will help him. I think he is ready to run a good race. I'm just a little disappointed at the way he's getting bet on public handicapper. Um, you know. Yeah, I, but, I, I, you know, that's fluky. I, I think he's much more likely to be six to one or higher. If you look at his buyers, uh, you know, he ran an 88 in the Belmont. He's... Um, his best buyer is a 96 and you're looking at Tacitus. Well, actually Tacitus, his best buyer is a 97, a global campaign. I can see why David Aragona made him two to one. He, he ran a one Oh one in his last race. So he's got the highest last race buyer. And I know that's not, you know, going to, uh, indicate the odds perfectly, but I, I'd be shocked if taxes as low as three to one on public handicapper. Uh, as he is on public handicapper, you know, maybe he goes off at five to one. You know, it's also, it's early on public handicapper. So people who are making their picks right now, they've only known about the races since last night. And there's, it's only 300 out of probably 1700 who will make their picks. Yeah. I'd say five to one is probably realistic. Um, somewhere in between the morning line and where he is on public handicapper. Yeah. Now if he's higher than five to one, that's when I start getting really excited. So, so I will yeah. be, I will have a large win bet on the horse. Even if he's as low as three to one, I'll have a hundred bucks on him, but just figure at least another hundred bucks for every t tick above that level. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see how they bet it because it, it does seem like, you know, they have to play Tacitus and War of Will. Global campaigns got to get some play, too, although I think his morning line is too low. Um, so you would think tax has to be the fourth choice, right? So how low can you go as a fourth choice? Probably not much below five to one. So, Yeah. All right. So our next race, we're going to swing over to Del Mar, California, and we're going to do the Bing Crosby. It's the eighth race, six furlongs, grade one for three and up. The purse is $300,000. And I will start this one off. I'm going to go in this race with Chief Cicatriz, uh, who I, I made sure on the pronunciation. I wasn't sure. So I looked it up on Google and they actually, uh, because it's a Spanish word, they had a uh, pronunciation, uh, and that's how they pronounce it. So Chief Cicatriz, 
Uh, he ran a really big race last year in the Aristides at Churchill that proved two things. One, that he's very fast, and two, that he can ship. So even though I don't think this trainer's ever run at Del Mar, he's already there. He's already had a breeze at Del Mar. He appears to be rounding into his best form. His workouts, uh, like three going into the race three races ago, were his usual super fast scintillating 46 and change kind of four furlong workouts. Um, you know, I normally I would see a big number like he ran in the air studies and say, hey, that could have hurt the horse. But he was pretty fast as a two year old and he's had a year to recover from that race. And he's also he's run a couple of preps into this race. So I, I think he's actually got a big shot to win this race by open lengths. And he's 12 to one morning line. He's 16 to one on public handicapper. And, you know, he's kind of the no-brainer pick for me. What are you thinking? Well, I've always been a fan of Chief Cicatriz because he ran at Turf Paradise, and I used to live in Phoenix and go to Turf Paradise when I was younger. So uh, back when Turf Paradise still used to have some really fast sprinters, it was kind of known for the sprinters like Zany Tactics, um, Charging Falls, Petro DJ, some horses, you know, Zany Tactics set the world record for six furlongs. I saw him set that at Turf Paradise. Um, so I'm always fans of these sprinters that that come from that track. And so that Aristides actually made money on, on that race. Um, he was really impressive that day. That did hurt him. That set him back. You know, he went on the, on the bench for a long time. But I think he's rounded back into form. But he hasn't run a really big race yet this year. And I, the fact that they, they're taking on, you know, the, the Southern Cal sprinters and grade one company tells me they think this horse is sitting on a, a big race. Like you said, they have shipped into a major track and won before. Um, so I like all that. This race is loaded with speed. He is a front runner, but he's not a need to lead type. And again, at six furlongs, I like that, that sort where they can sit just off and finish. Um, I don't see him blowing this field away or anything, but, you know, I think he can win. Uh, so I'm kind of with you. That, to me, is the, is the um, you know, the play in the contest. The other horse I'm kind of interested in here is Desert Law, who's another that can sit off the pace and I think has some upside, um, you know, and, it's, and is rounding in a top form. Uh, and is a, a 12 to one on the morning line. So those two are the longest prices on the morning line or two of the longest prices in the morning line. I both, I think they both have a chance. Um, I like the chief a little better than desert law, but I think both of those horses are interesting price horses that will probably get overlooked, um, among some of the, the more popular favorites like recruiting Rever ready and Sistron. Um, an airstrike who I actually picked on the pod, I think, last time he ran, but that was at seven furlongs. So cutting back to six furlongs, I think he has his work cut out for him. I will add on Desert Law, who's also my second pick. So we're probably going to have the same picks in this race. He is third off a layoff, and the trainer 
Carla Gaines is 19% with that move with a 2.00 ROI. So it's break even, but that beats the takeout. Uh, it, he did run a top in his last race, which I, especially as a five-year-old, I shy away from. But then I saw the odds, and at 12 to 1, it's the fastest most recent race. It's the fastest last race. Um, I don't see any reason why he can't run another good race. So, so absolutely, Desert Law. And uh, I did like Airstrike on his... His numbers look good. I did not analyze uh, how he's done at six furlongs. But it looks like, yeah, he's he's only run once at the distance. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of a deep closer. I see your point there. And he's four to one. So there's nothing to get excited about with that horse uh, on Saturday. Yeah, just one note too. The the morning line favorite recruiting ready. I'm always leery of playing, you know, Midwest or East Coast sprinters that ship out west. They always seem to get their head handed to them by the the speed horses in the West Coast. So even though he looks really solid, doesn't really have any negatives. Just the one negative is that I just I can't remember an East Coast sprinter shipping into California and winning. I mean, they just don't do it very often. Even the really, really good ones like Groovy, you know, when he shipped out West for the Breeders' Cup, just got crushed. And um, I, so that's just an angle that I'm always looking out to, to play against those East Coast sprinters when they head out West. They just don't seem to stack up very well um, in the kind of intense pace pressure that you get early on the West coast that you just don't typically see out East or in the Midwest. Yeah. And I'll have, I have a little note on recruiting ready. I loved the horse in his last race. He was 11 to one. And I was, I think I was close to pounding the table on that horse. He was right outside strike power. Uh, he, he was supposed to run a big top that race. And the fact that he didn't and couldn't get it done and actually finished third, he did run, he matched his top, his best race ever, but he was really supposed to plow through it. And now he's going to be shipping across the country for a trainer that's never run a horse at Del Mar. We, you know, the two to one morning line, that just does not look very appealing to me. I don't know if he's going to go off that low. He's five to two on public handicapper, so it's feasible. I just, you know, he didn't deliver when he was supposed to deliver, and he still could win this race. The numbers fit, but at that price, he's not attractive. Yeah, and I think the reason he's in this race is they're dodging Matoli because he should be in that race at Saratoga. That would be the logical spot for him. But I think they're trying to avoid him, and they thought, well, we can ship out west and and face an easier field and in theory you know there's no matoli in this race but like i said just typically uh those east coast sprinters don't stack up very well against the west coast this might be an exception you know maybe he runs a big race but i to me at a short price he's one you can play against yeah and you're right that this race is really stacked with speed uh, i think like four of them are going to be going for the lead the nice thing about Desert Law is that his races, his wins have not come on the lead. 
I don't really love that two hole, but it looks like he can drop back a couple of lengths and still run his race. So, so, so that looks good. And I am now a little bit worried about Chief Cicatriz, just considering that he, well, uh, from the six hole, I don't know. I, uh, I, he actually doesn't win. He doesn't have to have the lead. He's, you know, his last race, he was second by head at the quarter, which is not far back. He has some other races where he was uh, one or one and a half lengths behind. In the Aristides, he was third at the quarter. So, yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry too much about him. But I think that you know there is a lot of speed, and recruiting ready is going to be part of the brigade that needs to be right on the lead. And I think they're all going to fold. So, so that's going to open it up to Chief Cicatriz and Desert Law, or. So we, uh, or so we are guessing. Yeah, we're hoping. <laughs> guessing, <laughs> guessing, hoping. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm going to bet this race. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you feel strongly enough that you're going to bet it. Uh, but w- just because we handicap it doesn't mean we have to bet it. And um, I end out betting. You know, I probably bet one or two out of each public handicapper races in in real life. Otherwise. If you can't, if you can't like discern a, a major edge, it's you're you're just throwing money at churn. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be playing every race. I'd say there's a chance, good chance, I'll play this race. Of the four we've talked about, the two I'm most interested in betting are the you know the turf race uh, with Channel Cat and Highland Sky and a couple others in there and. You know, this sprint with Desert Law and Chief Cicatrice, those two um, races are the ones I'm most interested in. Uh, it sounds like you really are, are high on tax. That race, I'm probably just going to watch. Um, and same with the, the sprint uh, that we talked about. That's probably another one I'll just I'll be watching. Yeah, um, the great thing about having a horse like tax that I absolutely love I not only will have win money on him, but in the pick five, I'll be able to single him in that race. That's going to allow me to go very deep in some of the other races. And I will go very deep in the Bowling Green and the Matoli race. I I haven't decided what I'm going to do, but I'll probably go kind of deep there just because I I kind of think anything can happen. It's just uh, I, I wouldn't know where to narrow. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do there, but but the great thing is that you know once you've got a single in your pick five, then really you're looking at a pick four, and it's a lot. Uh, assuming that your pick your single does win, you can go pretty deep in the other races. Yeah, and I think that's true when your single is like tax is probably the fourth choice in that race. When your single is a three to five shot, you're not getting any value, and if you start going deep in the other races. You know, you just have to get lucky. But if you're singling, you know, a horse like Tax, you're going to get some value just in him winning. So you can afford to catch a, a short price in another leg or two and still make money. So, you know, if you're that's the kind of horse you want to single, not the three to five shot, you know, yeah. not the Matoli. You know, singling Matoli is not getting you anything. Um, but singling Tax, if you really like him and you think, you know, he's the most likely winner as the fourth choice in the wagering that's the kind of horse you can get some value on 
in a pick four or pick five. Yeah, and that's the way you can turn a horse. Let's assume he's going to be five to one. You can turn a five to one into uh, many thousand to one if the pick five comes in. You just you got to be right. <laughs> you still have to hit the rest of the sequence. Yeah, and there's definitely some chances for prices. In fact, you know I don't know how much time we have left here, but since we we've talked about the first three legs in the pick four. I don't know if you looked at the 12th race yet. It's a claimer on the turf, but it's an interesting race. Um, and I really like a horse named My Macho in that race, the four horse trained by Grand Motion dropping in for a tag. Um, and, you know, he's five to one in the morning line. And then I also like a horse named Give the Man a Cigar and the 10 Post who I think sitting on a good race had some excuses in some of his um, prior starts and could clear early under Luis Saez on the inner turf, um, which can be a big advantage. And I think he could wire the, the field and he's 20 to one in the morning line. So that, that last leg um, is an interesting race to me. There's some other horses, but you know, be, with my macho and give the man a cigar, I think you have a couple of, very solid horses one of which could be a really big price and the other one is solid at five to one so and the favorite is a chad brown dropper uh surge pricing who i think is vulnerable um and will get pounded likely uh so there's some value in that 12th race um uh as part of that pick four and the pick five or just at, to bet all by itself Wow, yeah, I, I have not handicapped this race, but I quickly looked at the sheets on the horses that you mentioned, and my macho looks like the clear choice over surge pricing on uh, the on the figs. And he he, I mean, he if the public were looking at these numbers, they would make him the favorite. Uh, I'm I don't know about all the other horses, but um, give the man cigar also looks like. Uh, he totally fits on the numbers and the trainer is running. Chris Engelhardt is running really well right now. He's hitting it at 30% his last 90 days. So any horse that that trainer is running right now, I'm giving an extra look. Yeah. Especially his two year old first time starters. Um, his two year olds are running. Um, so watch out for anything. Like you said that he sends out right now, especially in the two year old races. All right. Uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on any other races. Um, our timing is, you know, it's a pretty meaty show, so we should probably wrap it up now. Yeah, I think that's it. I just thought I'd mention that because I looked at it last night. And, and if people, you know, we already talked about three legs of that pick four and pick five sequence. So I thought I'd toss that one out as one of the more interesting races um, on the card. There was. You know, I think it's a really good card at Saratoga. There's a lot of other good races on the undercard. I haven't got a chance to handicap all of them, but, you know, some are just in the early part. Um, you know, there's a, the fifth race is really fun one to handicap. The third race, the same. You know, there's some crazy wide open races. That early pick five um, will be challenging for sure. So, and I, I, it's a, not unusual this time of year that Saratoga has some good cards. Let's just hope the weather cooperates because it's 
it's been another one of those Saratoga summers where the weather hasn't really helped the players much so far. Yeah, and the forecast, you know, yesterday I was really excited about the late pick five. The forecast said it was going to be sunny for the next three or four days. So I was really excited that, hey, I can finally really get down to some serious handicapping here. I took a phone call around the fourth race, and when I came back, I looked at the video, and the, they were delaying the fifth race, and there, was, uh, there were puddles everywhere. And I said, what the heck? So that was, that was disappointing. I, hopefully it saved me money because I was going to play a pretty uh, hefty pick five. But let's just hope that we don't get any more of those storms coming through. And I think there's a guy named Marshall Sterling who is on Twitter who is keeping an eye on that forecast. And he said that even today there's a chance of uh, some more uh, sky unloadings happening at Saratoga. So, you know, we're, we're lucky that today, Friday, there's still a couple of races uh, staying on turf. Let's hope that all of the races stay on turf tomorrow. Yeah, it would be nice to have the weather cooperate for the weekend, um, when, especially on the Saturday card, which is always sort of the highlight of the week. So let's cross our fingers and maybe uh, we'll have some, a stretch of good weather for horse players um, after kind of a disastrous weekend last weekend with all the heat. Um, it would be nice to be able to watch some of the top summer racing and be able to bet on it um, with the races, you know, staying on the turf and cars not get canceled, et cetera. So let's just cross our fingers and hope for the best. All right. Great. So that wraps up this week's PH podcast. Thanks for joining us. And I'm going to cap it off with a little of the usual, the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. Cheers. Cheers.